Welcome to the HR Uprising podcast. This highly practical podcast series explores HR and management hot topics and challenges through conversations with relevant experts and real-life people professionals. Brought to you by Actors Software, our aim is to build a better workplace for people. The HR Uprising is about collaborating and supporting each other to build the confidence and skills to rise up to each challenge and deliver real, lasting business value. You can find out more at hruprising.com or join our LinkedIn community. Now introducing your host, chartered psychologist, best-selling author, entrepreneur and speaker, Lucinda Carney. Hello and welcome to the HR Uprising podcast. I'm your host, Lucinda Carney, and this is our first podcast of 2021. Let's hope it's going to be a good one because we all need it, don't we? So I don't know if you noticed, we decided we would take two weeks off. Well, I decided I should do. We had done 95 HR Uprising episodes without a break and I thought I should take a leaf out of my own book. I'm always telling other people to do this and I took two weeks off, which was lovely. I hope you're feeling rested and recharged. However, we didn't want to start the new year or close down 2020 without some reflections on the great content and the great guests that we had on. So we heard from amazing, amazing guests in terms of the HR uprising, some brilliant masterclasses. We had Karen Gill, Tom Robinson, Vicky Roberts, Lisa Carver, loads of brilliant podcasts with people about how we could look at different types of management and leadership. We covered the topic of diversity inclusion with Baljit and Umar that I really want to go into because that was a hot topic. It seems such a long time ago, but that was a really hot topic, wasn't it? And then we had some amazing thought leaders. So Jennifer McClure, Greg Kinnard, Julianne Sullivan, Joe Irwin from Ireland and Bruce Daisley. And she then those in the same sentence. Some of you will know that Joe's a good old university friend of mine. So um, I'm not sure whether she's quite on the same platform as Bruce Daisley, but her podcast episodes always get an amazing response. And her podcast of 2019 was our number one. So and we're going to do a whistle-stop tour through a few little reflections, a few little tips. Hopefully some of the podcast episodes you will think, actually, I'd like to go back and revisit it and you'll find them inspiring. I will remind you a little bit at the end about what I've got in store soon. And I have got some really, really exciting guests lined up. I'm not going to say who they are yet, but I am super excited, particularly for our guest on their 100th anniversary um, episode, which is in about three or four weeks. So that's super exciting for me. But before I go into the main content of it, because it's the start of the year, I wanted to just mention a few things that might be useful to you. It is a shameless plug, so I apologise for that. But uh, we've run, we in 2020, we, as you know, we run performance management software. So we have performance management software, acts as a complete performance management solution, brilliant for lots of things in terms of performance management, learning management, feedback, etc. However, what we started doing in 2020 in response to feedback, because my background is a trainer, is we started going back to delivering lots of training, virtual training, remote training, and it's been so popular. I am going to be so, so busy over the next three or four months. I'm not quite sure how I'm going to manage time to record the podcast, to be honest. But um, we have three programs available, which two of which we've run to brilliant feedback, 
I've got lots and lots of bookings already and one which is brand new, but I know it's going to be amazing and I know it's really needed. So how to be a change superhero. If you want to work personally with me, if you're thinking about you want to develop your skills in managing change and let's face it, it's all around us and it's not just about change, it's about managing your profile and your influence within an organisation. That's aimed at HR professionals or anyone involved in change. Second one you can think of is our virtual people and performance management training programme. We are running so many modules of this now because it's so needed. We didn't really know how to be managers, did we, potentially? We'd got a bit lazy about it, I think, prior to uh, the lockdowns of last year. This programme, it's essential management skills. It's management skills 101 for people who've never been taught them or they've forgotten them. And it's how to do it in a virtual world, which is subtly different. So that's the other really practical course. And the final brand new one to let you know about, which is very exciting, is called Accelerate Potential. Now, this came as an idea because three of our new starters in our business, they've never worked in a workplace before and two of them have now never really worked in an office. It's been weird. People who've come in, high potential entry professionals, joined our businesses last year. There were no on-site inductions. There were no graduate programmes. And that meant that some of the nuances or office etiquette that we've all picked up along the way that we would have picked up by being in an office they haven't got. And it's really tough, isn't it? So this is for those entry-level professionals. It's about giving them the toolkit, the confidence to manage their profile, to manage their communication style, and just to set them up to be to um, be a professional in the workplace. Not saying they're not, but just to give them those the skills and confidence. So that's called Accelerate Potential, aimed at entry-level professionals. So if you want to know any more about any of those programmes, you just go to the hruprising.com website or you can go to actus.co.uk forward slash training and you'll find more information. Anyway, enough about that. I'm now going to go into explain more about this episode and our very first guest that I want to discuss. So if we cast our minds back, if it's possible, to a life pre-COVID or it seemed to be it wasn't really out there in any way like it um <laughs> it ended up being if you sort of mean it's something we might have heard of but we weren't worried about there was at the start of 2020 the big focus became about diversity and inclusion do you remember the the um, george floyd issue which shook us all in terms of institutional racism and really helped us become more and more alert to it well i really wanted to cover that topic and do more on it but i didn't feel frankly that i was the right person to do it i didn't feel qualified and so I was really grateful to have conversations with Umar Zaman in particular, who's the Director of Human Resources at Sheffield Hallam University, and was such a lovely man, had a great conversation with him. And also Belgic Hauer, who's a great expert in diversity and inclusion. So I thought we'd start off by reflecting back earlier and reminding ourselves of the importance of this topic and making sure that we really are alert to being inclusive of everybody in our organisations effectively and, and just being aware that there is that bias there. Let's have a listen. Uh, I call it inclusive leadership. Um, you know, old money would be uh, EDI training, equality and diversity training, you know, talking years back would be, you know, uh, gender equality training, race equality training. For me, I talk about inclusive leadership. And I think everybody can be an inclusive leader, regardless of whether you're in a management position 
or not. Um, I've always looked for people, uh, I've always looked for those quality leaders who made me feel part of the team, who included me, who made me feel, you know, to a point safe, mm-hmm. that you can, you know, be, be, be part of that team openly. Um, and for me, the, it's so important that if you don't have inclusive leaders, you have increased grievances, you have increased sickness, you have a reduction in productivity, and so on and so on. And I think that, that, that I don't think we, we can, I, don't, I think we underestimate the value of investing in this area to get people to become inclusive in their approach. Um, and I always say that, that, that actually I see diversity as a business benefit because, you know, if you have people around the table who are different, women, uh, you know, uh, BAME people, uh, people with disabilities, you have richer decisions being made. Um, unless we actually do some work and actually get our people to self-reflect and have those discussions and provoke that thinking. So really that intrinsic motivation in people. Yeah, people understand not just the do's and don'ts, but the why, the understanding, the deeper understanding at that intrinsic level. That's when we're going to get that attitudinal change. We can do all the targets, setting targets, and having plans and policies in place, all of which have, they put, have their place in an organisation. Yeah, we need that infrastructure. But it is going to have limited impact without people understanding this agenda, shifting those attitudes and involving those hearts um, as well as those minds. So for me, there's a big piece of work around how do we upskill all our people in organisations, not just so that they have the awareness around these issues and understand at that intrinsic level why these issues matter, but also then they're able to, by through that upskilling, they're able to consciously look out for things that need to be improved. And maybe, you know, consciously be able to call each other out in that constructive, compassionate way that organisations need to provide feedback and challenge to each other. So that was Umar and Baljit talking about diversity. And I loved Umar's concept of inclusive leadership. And for me, that makes a link between diversity and culture, of which we had a number of podcasts on the topic of culture and culture change. So I wanted to share a couple of clips from one of which was the episode 56, which was Catalysts of Culture with Julie Ann Sullivan. And the other one was the Culture Change Masterclass with Karen Gill. That was really popular and going through some real practical um, masterclass topics around culture change. So we'll start off with Karen talking about the iceberg syndrome of how we might try and achieve culture and move on to Julie Ann. the old iceberg syndrome culture is the stuff that sits below the surface it's what it what drives behavior drives decisions you can't touch it you can't feel it but you know that it's there um, and it becomes obvious every day and getting people to understand it's not what you do it's how you do it and I think probably the best way to describe it is that you could have two companies that are doing very much the same thing operating the same markets and producing the same products but at the end of the day, if you walked into that company, it would have, they would both have very different feels, neither right nor wrong. They'd just be different. And that's down to the culture in which they sit. Yeah, I like that. The um, iceberg yeah, makes complete, complete sense. HR used to only be compliance for decades, right? That's what it was about. You know, the benefits, the whatever it was. 
but it was all about compliance and filling out forms basically. Now HR has expanded in some places. And what my friend Cheryl Simmons would say is, if you're the head of HR at your company and you don't have a separate department that's culture, right? You got to have a seat at the table with the C-suites. You can't be separate because you can't do anything. Well, I won't say that. I was going to say you can't do anything on your own, but you can. But you can't push culture forward if you don't have leadership with you. And you should be a part of that leadership. If you do have a culture department, if, you're, if your job description is not just compliance, right, then find a way to be a part of creating what is going to be that culture. Now, let's say you're a part of HR, a part of your job description is culture, but you're not really given the power to do that because we all know there's people like that out there. I say you have your space, you have your behavior, and hopefully that will maybe, uh, that will influence the next person who influences the next person who influences the next person. So you can hear really that culture is all about leadership. And I was really fortunate to speak to Jennifer McCure, who is a major thought leader, who started off with Disrupt HR. She's done huge amounts. She's got her own podcast and very successful business overseas, thousands of followers and such a lovely lady. And I found her really, really inspiring about how to be just a great HR practitioner. And it's having that potential to influence as having the courage to be the spark, to step up and influence. So let's hear a little bit from Jen. So whenever an HR leader or anyone says, well, I'm strategic, I always like to ask, well, what does that mean to you? You know, because if you're saying it means that I sit at the executive table, that does not mean that you're strategic. It means good for you. You've got a great place on the organization chart. What matters is what you do with that influence opportunity, because that's all it is. It's an influence opportunity. And if you don't bring data to sell your ideas, if you don't understand how to negotiate, if you don't understand how to build the relationships that you need to in order to execute on your ideas, then that seat at the table means nothing. So I think for too long, we equated strategic HR with reporting to the CEO or having a a seat at a certain table. And Many people think of that as cliche now, thankfully, but again, it's really about you have an influence opportunity if you are in that position. What are you doing with it? If you are not sitting at that table yet, you still have a huge influence opportunity because we go back to who's the most important person in the organization? It's the person or people or the position that actually impacts everyone in the organization. Now, you might argue that the CEO impacts everyone by the, you know, their decision-making, et cetera. Sure. But human resources, people, recruiting, talent, leadership development, you know, people who work in those people fields are preparing and making sure that we have the right people in the organization to succeed. CEO doesn't do that. 
you know, so if you're a mid-level HR professional, you have a position of influence and impact. If you're a C-level HR professional, you have a position of influence and impact. Everyone, I think, in the people side of the business does. Following on from Jen, we were then lucky enough to have a couple of other big names. So uh, Greg Kennard, he came in to talk about future leadership in episode 72. And I had in our 75th episode, Bruce Daisley talking about the joy of work. So what's interesting is both of them actually um, talking more broadly about leadership and company culture, but it still comes in and centers on what we can do as individual leaders and also um, as HR professionals and the value we can bring into the organization. So we'll start a little bit with Greg and then we'll finish or move on to Bruce talking about some of the support that he got from HR. Great HR people just are um, invaluable for, for helping to get the tone right, the positioning right. You know, the critical thing whenever you're making someone redundant or taking their job away is that it's all about them in the room, right? You know, so like your nerves are irrelevant and you need to deal with that because um, you, you can't allow the communication of a message to be dictated by the fact that you know on a quiet wednesday you're upset that you're doing something difficult something way worse is happening to them and so you know like getting out of the work making sure that you are not the message but you're merely the messenger um, was critical and great hr people can help you do that so i think the skill sets of 10 years ago that are out of date is the command and control mentality and the line of sight mentality that I'm your boss, you report to me, like respect your hierarchy. Like, yeah. I, and even right down to how uh, the performance management cycles um, are done. You, you know how you got the performance management cycles and usually people will be, you know, scored. Where I think um, definitely the new world is more around the communication and the connection, the collaboration. And it's about creating communities. So it's not about... Um, so currently it might be about the results. Okay, um, do this to get the results. I think moving forward is going to be, be part of our community. We have a purpose, let us work in collaboration and it's our collaboration that will just get us the results. So rather than the measurement of the outcome, I think the measurement is going to be about the collaboration. And I'm now going to wrap up on three final clips. As you know, one of our passions on the HR Uprising podcast is having something that's practical. And it's quite hard to link all of these together in terms of themes. We decided not to do a top 10 because I had so many popular um, podcasts this year. But there are three popular podcasts I wanted to share with you because they did have real relevant themes. Right at the start of the year, I had Tom Robinson, he talked about reward and recognition and it was great, really. I love I loved that podcast. He was really practical. Definitely worth revisiting um, and a great guy. So we'll hear from Tom first in terms of how we can manage, I guess, guess, get more performance out of people through better reward and recognition, which is good for us to think about. Maybe we weren't talking in a virtual world, but some of what he talks about is absolutely relevant in a virtual world. We then got really practical with Vicky Roberts about the employment law challenges of hybrid working. You know, how have people's jobs changed? The sort of questions we need to think about and ask. And then finally, I'm going to end again 
on our sum up here with Joe Irwin talking about how to be a great interviewee. And again, she does great practical points. And really what she's talking about is practice, practice, practice in many areas of what we do. And I thought that's not a bad place to end is for us to think, actually, we're all out there practicing. There's so much new stuff to do. There's so much for us all to learn at the moment. No one is an expert, uh, whether it's an interviewer, interviewee, HR change agent, doesn't matter. None of us are experts. But the brilliant thing is there's so much that we can learn from each other now in terms of and, and you know, go out and get that information and learn from podcasts etc so we'll go on and listen first of all we'll hear from tom then we'll go on to vicky roberts and also we'll end on joe uh, and then the other part as well is 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 making sure that these uh, recognitions are about relationships one of my biggest learnings uh, over the last few years is that uh, it's not even about the business, um, and the frustration is 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 often this um, in this quest for return on investment. We can become a bit blinded to actually just the stuff that that matters most in in business in life generally. It's not necessarily about squeezing more discretionary effort out of people as if they were some kind of donkey. Mm. Um, using this combination of carrots and sticks to to kind of improve their performance. It's not even about the business. I mean. Most people in any organisation don't really give a damn about the share price, if it, indeed it is listed on Not the Not unless they've got share options. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, they, they care about their own sphere, uh, their own little world of influence, of their own relationships. So this is where, where, where managers, where line managers can often be the, the thing that will cause a, a programme to succeed or fail. One of the most successful things I ever saw was, was people each inputting a small soundbite to a video talking about how somebody was really beneficial, um, was was really going above and beyond, had made a major difference. And they each said to this, I think it was recorded on an iPhone, uh, they each recorded sort of a 10, 15 clip about how awesome this person was. It was com- kind of um, edited together into a, a, a minute or so clip and was sent to the person. And it had almost no cost yeah. but had probably huge amounts of value. And this is sort of thing is um, remembered for years and years, if not a lifetime. And it's about strengthening the bonds between those people that you work directly with, whether it's manager to team, whether it's peer to peer. And is is it strengthens local bonds and the company by proxy. I don't think it's necessarily all about um, the organization's goal. No, that's I mean, I mean, as long that's as it's value based, yeah. as long as you're you're recognising the right behaviours which fit with the overall objective, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily about squeezing more performance from people. Have people's jobs changed as a result of home working? Um, a lot of us have just adapted what we're doing. Our contract, uh, our our roles and responsibilities fundamentally haven't changed. But you know, if you are a manager of a big team. Has that job changed? And and the way I kind of tend to judge that is say, look, is it a change in job? So in other words, it's just a change in a way of working or is it a change of job? So it's a fundamental change. And in which case, how do we recognize that? We don't just want to necessarily let that sort of go along and then suddenly turn around and say, actually, I'm doing something completely different to to what I originally thought I was doing because that could be relevant to the way that person feels in terms of motivation but also you know when you come to 
if you have to look at your workforce from a redundancy mm -hmm. perspective, if it's fundamentally changed, what does that do in terms of things like pools for selection and that sort of thing? Just one of those things to have our radar up about, I think. My personal view is the competency-based interview process, particularly with larger organisations, uh, is very structured. It's a very rigid process. And quite often people are shocked with just how transactional it is. Literally, can you give me an example when you showed? Can you give me a time when you did? Um, I ask people to think about this as a presentation, not a conversation. So just as you would need to prepare to give a great presentation, I would then ask people to think about that nonverbal side of things. I think people need to practice out loud for these interviews. I think they need to record themselves on the phone to listen out for their own filler words. Is it kind of, like, you know, quite, I suppose is something here in Ireland with very often on the west of Ireland, I suppose, I suppose I'm good at decision making. Well, are you or aren't you? Mm. So these little filler words come in when people are nervous. And I believe the only way you can be fluid and flow is to practice out loud. I think ideally you want to get some stooges. You need some real life people to practice uh, sitting with you across the kitchen table um, while you deliver uh, your interview answers. Uh, if you use a template, you can print it off, get them to, to literally look through that with you. But I don't believe you can get away without that out loud practice. You would never have an actor send a script for a film who goes straight to filming it. The reason they do the rehearsals is to get that fluidity and that flow. Um, and I wouldn't leave it to chance. Why would you? I would just ensure that you practice and practice and practice. So that's it. That's it for our 2020 roundup episode looking back on some of the great guests that we've had over the course of 2020 uh, i hope you enjoyed it maybe inspired you to go back and listen to a few of those podcasts what i would love to hear from you is if there are any particular topics or actually people you'd like me to have on the podcast in 2021 please do get in touch with us um, incidentally, before I forget, I have put the links to um, the people who've been on here will all be on the show notes, hruprising.com. Anyway, so in terms of what we've got in plan for this year, we do have the plan to um, continue. However, we may change the structure and order. I might take a few more breaks. What's important to me is making sure that the quality is of high level and you guys are finding this useful and interesting and relevant. I'm very, very grateful to people who have given us ratings and who get in touch, who've joined the HR Uprising LinkedIn group, which um, has got more than 700 members now. So do join us on LinkedIn if you want to get involved. Um, talk to us on social media, but let me know what topics would be of interest to you. We have done a number of Real HR episodes. We will carry on doing those, but maybe a little bit less so. I've got some gurus coming on the, on the uh, podcast over the next few months, but I'm always looking for extra topics that are going to be really relevant and useful to you. Clearly, it's a full-time job if I'm putting that out every single week, but uh, if you can let us know what you want or if you're an expert in a particular topic, why don't you get in touch um, and let me know how you could bring value to this audience. Anyway, thank you so much for listening again this week and don't forget to tune in next week. Thank you for listening to the HR Uprising, proudly brought to you by Actor Software, the joined up performance and talent management solution. You can access links to any of the information or resources mentioned in the show via the podcast page at www.hruprising.com. If you like what we do, please subscribe, tell your colleagues and leave a review. Thank you for listening to the HR Uprising. 